Danielle Houston. I'm the host of this podcast, The Checkup. I am also a health and welfare consultant here at Locked In Companies. This is part two of a series with Linda Brink, where we are talking about social determinants of health. If you have not listened to part one, I encourage you to check that out. We lay some good foundational work there about what social determinants of health are, why do they matter, what are some of the statistics specific here to Western Washington. This episode, we're going to pick up and talk about real practical ways that employers can do great work with their own employee population. And Linda is going to tell us some wonderful ways that she and her team have worked with some of our clients in this space too. So Linda, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so much to you and your team for all of the work that you have put together for this. Um, It's something that you and I find really interesting. Um, You're passionate about well-being, as am I. And I hope that with this episode in particular, that people are going to get a better sense of this depth and breadth that Lockton has, but maybe be inspired to look at their own population a little bit differently and do something that, you know, might, might not only help the health impact or the health outcomes of an employee, but also their families. This is something that can be such a win for an employer. So walk us through What are some of the things that employers can do, you know, maybe even immediately to start filling the gaps or influencing the social determinants of health? Um, Well, I think that something that you can do to get, if you don't know where to get started, and I do get that asset all the time, employers will say, we don't, how do, how do we get started? Like what, what, what should we do? And the first thing that I like to do is I say, well, let's, Let's do um, what I call a gap analysis. Let's just sit down and go through what types of things that you have today already offering to employees that you might not even realize fit into some of these categories that would help an employee that might be related to the things we talked about, Danielle, like, you know, food, housing, transportation, financial stability, etc. So when we step back and look at that, sometimes we can see that, oh, you know what, those are some things, there are some things already there that just could be promoted more to employees or that the employer had access through some of their resources that they didn't even know, right? Like uh, maybe their employee assistance program offers all these workshops and they just never really looked at which ones they could get and they're already included and they might be paying for them. So just that's just an example. But um, I also step back and say, you know, a good starting point is just to know what are the resources in the community. So as an employer, I don't think that you would expect that you're going to be able to bring and solve for all these um, areas that you see employees might need help with. But a first step, a nice first step, is to know what's available in the community so that you can refer somebody confidentially to things that are available through your city, your county, or your state that all have resources to address some of these areas that employee might need help with and would be able to do that in a confidential way. So that's a good starting point there as well. 
And some of those things might be pieces like even education on how to purchase a home or some of the things you mentioned too, like secure bike storage or vouchers to be able to get to medical appointments. Um, What about things like mental and behavioral health resources? Because this is a space, you know, we can't talk enough about it right now. Mm -hmm. So when we look at that, um, many employers have an employee assistance program. And that is one piece that can be important to getting an employee what they need. But um, if we want to look at the broader scope of supporting that mental and behavioral well-being, we also look at things like uh, mindfulness. So can there be, there's three really sort of different ways that you can address this topic, right? There's self-directed types of things. There's um, an intervention like to work with a counselor or coach or so forth. And then there's things that are available within your health plan. And so typically the things within the health plan, the employer knows and has an understanding of what's available to the employee. So then we usually look at what kind of self-directed things could they have for their employee to access. And that might be through an app that that they have available. It could be through um, some online, an online portal that has resources. And in this case, you're really just making sure the employee knows that they have access to things that they can go out and figure out what works for them and how they might uh, want to use those. And another one of my favorite topics right now too is manager training on resources. I kind of feel like that's tapping into a gold mine too that you might not think of, but we know there are lots of managers out there who might be really good at that task or that, you know, the team direction that they have. But, you know, if they're going to maybe meet someone where they are, where they are with a struggle around mental health at work, whether it's depression or anxiety, training a manager can be a really great way to dig in a little bit deeper. Um, Do you have any recommendations or resources around that? Um, Mental health first aid training is something that I see a lot of employers doing. It's a great program. Um, You know, you really want to make your supervisors um, and those people in manager positions comfortable having that conversation without feeling like they need to dive into all the the personal things that that my person might be going through, right? And what mental health first aid does is it, it helps train you to recognize the signs and the symptoms that somebody might need some assistance and then helping you to, figure, to understand how to guide them to what they might need. So definitely uh, think that that's a great training program. Aid family leave policies. It's another big one. You know, here in Washington state, we have our mandated paid family leave, but you know, it doesn't cover everything and it doesn't cover everything for everybody, but um, that can be a great way to help support people who might just need some time. Um, anything else that you would want to interject on that? Well, I think that um, I, I'm working with employers that are choosing to put on put somebody right on site a few hours a week for confidential help counseling. That's been pretty popular right now, um, expanding on virtual options around that. And then this sounds simple, but can be very helpful. It's just having a designated space within your workplace that somebody could go to just kind of 
um, decompress for a minute to meditate. So having like a relaxation space or a meditation space. And I'm seeing a lot of employers start to do that as well. That's a great idea. And you're right. It's, it's probably one of the simpler things that could be offered. Um, what about financial literacy? You had some great ideas here in this one too. Um, so it's amazing when, when I, when employers, when I see them offering programs around financial well-being, they get a lot of people signed up for you. So we assume that everybody knows how to budget or that they've learned that somewhere, but I don't know how we magically learn that. Sometimes you need help with that. And so budgeting 101 classes are very popular. Um, 401k planning, financial planning, helping people to understand what that resource is that their employer's providing and how they can contribute to that. That is, is very helpful. Doing lunch and learns around student loan debt reduction, how to, how to save to buy a new home. There are a lot of different um, financial education options that I think employees would really value and that they're seeking and trying to figure that out during the day, sometimes when they're at work. And so if you can offer those things, then they aren't trying to find it on their own. And often if, you know, depending on who your advisor is on your retirement plans, um, and this is a space too, where, you know, locked-in can be of consulting service is often those things are already embedded maybe into your 401k plan and you can tap into your provider there and find some really great things that maybe you don't pay extra for, but there's, I know there's some, you know, sort of, I'll call it a buy-up option there too. One of the things I wanted to tap back into really quickly, because you mentioned the mental health providers through that telehealth, there are so many, I feel like that are out there and it's kind of this emerging space. Who are your do you feel comfortable telling us who your favorites are right now? <laughs> Some that we're working with a lot right now. Yeah. There are a lot of vendors in the space. And um, it is the number one request that I get from employers right now is to help with this topic. Um, some of the good, I don't know, say some of the good, there's a lot of good ones out there. So I'll just tell you a few that I've had employers choose recently. Uh, Ginger is one of those. Ginger's a program where it has kind of all those components you need. It's got a self-directed app, but if you need to talk to somebody, they you can uh, request that. You will have somebody reach back out to you to start working with you. You get some sort of response within two minutes, which um, is amazing. amazing. Mm -hmm. And if they decide that what you need is something that's more clinical and that you need to be referred on, they help do that warm transfer and make sure you've got that. So that's one of the programs that we're seeing get a lot of traction right now and that I'm seeing employers have a lot of success with. Uh, Talkspace is another one that um, a lot of employers are using with a lot of success. That's also um, access to a behavioral health coach or therapist if you need that. That's all text and digital based. So it's a little bit different. There's so much technology now around um, these services, Danielle. It's really pretty amazing. And then there's just um, what I would call more basic resources like, um, you know, My Strength, which is a self-directed program where you can um, just get resources and education on your own. 
And then there's some programs out there like Spring Health, which can actually be an extension of your EAP and the employee doesn't even know that they're talking to somebody that's actually part of another network and they just work together to, to fill the gaps that you might have in, in your own plan. Interesting. Yeah, I, I find this access to providers through telehealth so exciting. It was, it was exciting and hopeful pre-COVID and, you know, it was disappointing to not see much more activity happen there and for people not to embrace it as much as I, I would have wanted them to, you know, and then COVID happened. So it, you know, it forced the envelope for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. It won't be, and I don't think so, things aren't going to go back to the way they were. We, so employers were offering these solutions and you'd maybe have 10 or 15% of your employees, maybe that would access them. But now if people are comfortable doing things virtually and that shift is not going to go back, I think we're just going to continue to see that, which is exciting because we need that access to care. Yeah. And we would be remiss to not highlight here some health insurance components too. I mean, obviously preventive care is covered at 100%, but what we know is even with that, so many people aren't accessing that, whether it be, you know, the doctor isn't available during their non-work hours or transportation is an issue, but, you know, really promoting that and potentially looking for ways that you can help people access a provider network that has appointments on Saturdays or clinics that are open later. Um, The lower cost telehealth, you know, this is a space too, where I think my goodness, if you can give people zero or $5 copays for a visit that might be billed at $50 versus $200, it's a win across the board. Um, Covering cost of travel and lodging for using centers of excellence. Uh, Here in our market, we've seen one carrier in particular really promote this in some spaces like uh, joint health, and they're going to continue expanding into some other areas of treatment really exciting. And of course, on a national basis, there's a lot of focus on that. What about Navigator and concierge services? So um, navigating the concierge services would be to really having that concierge help you to figure out where's the best place for you to get that care. They can be looking at what's available through your health plan, what providers have the best like ratings for the thing that you might need to have done um, can help do that, help make that appointment, help navigate that for you, can be looking at follow-up to make sure that if there's other things that need to happen after that appointment or how did that appointment go. There are, I, I love the healthcare navigator concierge types of concepts. I think it takes some of the, um, the stress out of, out of the way for the employee to get the care that they need and that they're, they can develop a trusted relationship with um, somebody who is helping them to, to take the time to do or doing some of the stuff for that employee that they would have to try to figure out and, and uh, do themselves. 
And there was another element here that you had, you know, I thought to just some great examples, but affordable food. What are some of the ways that you're seeing employers address this? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, seeing a lot of movement around that, just things as simple as what do you have in your vending machine? Right? Are you, have you looked at healthy food options for the vending machine? Charging less for the healthy items and more for the less healthy items is one way just to get started. And I know that when you have vendor contracts or things like that, it's not like you can just go in and, and restock that right away. But exploring that, I have seen employers work and negotiate new contracts with the vendor to have healthier food options put in there. Also looking at if you have a cafeteria for your employees, looking at discounting some of the healthier food items, um, labeling food so that employees better understand what it is they're choosing. And also, um, I've had some employers, I had one particular employer who recognized that um, they did have some food insecurity in their population and decided to expand the hours that their cafeteria were open and um, made take, uh, take grab and go meals available for employees that were available sort of more towards the end of their shift. And they did require payment for those, but they were really charging more just at cost for them. They weren't trying to make a profit on it because they wanted people to be able to take food home for their, for their families or for themselves if they needed to. So, um, and then also community gardens, we're seeing more of that, which is really fun to see happening. And farmers markets, we have uh, some employers now that are bringing a farmers market on site once a week and having uh, produce and other things available for people to purchase right at work to take home. Great ideas, especially for employers that may already have the infrastructure yeah. to do that. So let's talk a little bit about a case study. Um, you, you have a company, an organization that you and your team work with. It's a municipality. Mm -hmm. They have about 1600 employees, a really diverse workforce. Um, talk about the work that you guys did with them. Yeah, so they actually have an on-site clinic at their location. And they've been working on and trying to address the health of their population for a while. And some of the things they were seeing some traction in, other things they weren't. And so they wanted to deep dive, or deep dive into that a little bit more. And so they did a survey with employees, a simple nine question survey to really ask some of the deeper questions about things that employees might want assistance with. And they were more some of these socially determined of health um, topics. And what came back was uh, the top three things that came back were that um, employees needed more help understanding their health insurance, um, that they were feeling loneliness and isolation, which we, we all know is happening right now, but this survey was actually prior to COVID, and that um, they had some inability to afford some of the healthcare expenses that they had and that they were seeing. And so because of that, um, the employer decided to work. They brought um, an additional resource into their onsite clinic to help navigate some of that health care. They added a mental health provider to their staff or someone that could be on site 
that could also address some of that social isolation and loneliness. Um, they're offering some things within their workplace to help more, I'm gonna call team camaraderie, but right now, of course, they're, they're at home, but hopefully when they come back, you know, doing things that um, we're gonna more support those employees in the workplace as well. And then one thing actually, Danielle, that's not even on the case study, but that they identified through the survey was um, childcare, right? The lack of, or stress around childcare. And they're actually now looking at potentially putting in some sort of childcare option in the workplace that would have some sort of subsidized option for employees. Which is amazing. And one of the things I liked about this case study and the actions that this employer took were a lot of the things didn't cost anything, but it was an emphasis on education and helping employees understand what they already had and also encouraging and creating spaces for people to connect with each other. And that's one of the things I always look at as being, we can all do something like that. You know, we can all do sure. something to be connected to someone else and make an effort there. So Linda, is there anything as we wrap up part two, any parting thoughts that you may have for us? Um, well, I want to go back to what I said when we first started this segment, and that is that you, you, can you don't have to try to take on the whole world to have an impact in this area. If, if the most you have time for today with somebody on your team to work on is to find out what those city, county, and state resources are, to know what those websites are, to know what those phone numbers are, to know that and to put it in a place where you know employees can access it and that your, your manager supervisors know where that's at, that's a great first step, Danielle. That um, doesn't require infrastructure changes. It doesn't require anything other than increased awareness for what might already be available in the community. And then the second thing I would say is just identify some small things you can do today because there's more than likely something you already have in your workplace that could just be tweaked a little bit more or you have a partnership with another organization or business that you could do more with today and impact something that you had never thought about before. And I love that this is a space to, to your point that it doesn't have to be a huge organizational change, but this can be work that a team does or that we do with an employer that can change the health outcomes of an employee. It can change the, the, their overall well-being and their family, and it's good for an employer's business. And we don't always see these opportunities for what I would call a, a triple win. So it's a space that you know we can feel really good about and see really great returns from. So with that, I thank you, Linda, for you and your team helping us to 
talk about social determinants of health and what employers can do and how it's impacting Washington state in particular. I would encourage employers who have the data and don't know what to do with it, or maybe you don't have the data and you'd like to understand it better, engage with us. We can not only look at the data, but help you work through it and make changes that would matter for your organization. Thank you for joining us today. You can listen to part one and part two, along with all the other episodes from this podcast on YouTube and on iTunes. Take good care.